Howdy folks, welcome back to the podcast. We're back in the garage, which honestly, we don't mind it, do we? No, no, we don't at all. The only thing I mind is I think I'm losing my voice a little bit. Uh-oh. And we've had a really long day today. I feel like I've lived like three days today. And the last thing to do is the podcast, which I'm so excited about, but I'm also so nervous about because this is a really big topic and we're talking about it after we would usually go to bed. <laughs> so anyways, hopefully the Lord um, is still able to use it. Of course he's still able. Well, I mean, he's still able to use it. I hope he does use it. Yeah, in spite, <laughs> of, in spite say, of us. In spite of us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do this. <laughs> But now that we're a family podcast. Yeah, Katie, here we are once again tackling one of those topics that I think at one point we said we never wanted to talk about. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the deal. We don't want to talk about parenting from a here is how you do it perspective because our oldest is six and dear Leon, Lucy, Lewis, Lawrence, and baby in my tummy. If you guys are ever listening to this one day, you know, we were imperfect parents. And we love you very much. And we want to do our best to get better and better at this. Um, That said, there are some things that are very, very wrong, in my opinion, about gentle parenting. And I think that we need to define terms here Mm. because I think a lot of people would say they are gentle parents without realizing that that is advocating for something that is completely unbiblical. Hmm. And I know that sounds really strong, but the more I look into this, the stronger I feel about it. And um, yeah, so anyways, it's something that we want to address, not specifically how to parent, but specifically why gentle parenting is an unbiblical model of parenting. And while we are called to be gentle in parenting our children as Christians, um, subscribing to the gentle parent philosophy is, is not something that we should be pursuing. All right. Well, let's define terms then. Cause I mean, like I said, before we started recording, I said, the tricky thing is, is that biblical parenting is gentle, but gentle parenting is not biblical. So I do think it, it warrants us explaining what we mean when we refer to gentle parenting. Uh, and are we just going to call it gentle parenting? Or are we going to call it grace-based parenting or you know, positive discipline? We're just going to keep it with gentle parenting? I say let's keep it gentle parenting All right. um, because that's kind of the term that is used the most often. Hmm. And it kind of encompasses a lot of other terms. I wanted to make sure we were talking about the same thing. So I found this quote about gentle parenting. Um, it was from a parent's article from a gal, I don't know, Danielle Sullivan. I'm not going to quote everybody who I found um, speaking about gentle parenting, but I am going to refer to direct quotes throughout this. Okay. So This is this quote here from Parents Magazine, and it says, Gentle parenting, also known as collaborative parenting, Mm. is a style of parenting where parents do not compel children to behave by means of punishment or control, but rather use of correction, communication, and other democratic methods to make decisions together as a family. Hmm. 
Okay, now, right off the bat, I have some big issues with this. One of the first thing is, one of the first things here is parenting is not collaborative with your child. It's also not democratic. Both those things might seem like a good thing on the surface, but they undermine and they directly uh, dismantle God's authority structure that he laid out very clearly in scripture. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, when you look at a lot of the, you know, popular gentle parenting websites, they'll contrast it to authoritarian, authoritarian parenting or authoritative parenting. That's what they kind of call maybe the alternative to this. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what parents are. We're the authority in our children's lives as commissioned by God himself. And, you know, a few things that, uh, do you want to speak more to kind of the def defining these terms? No, no, I'm going to do it as we just go throughout. Okay, great. Because again, I, I, anybody here knows I'm not a deep researcher, but just like in my cursory glance at what gentle parenting is commonly known as, it was interesting to me on how the prominent figures in its origins, the people that are kind of the, at the, at the seminal of the thinkers there, none of them are professing Christians. And I, and I just want to note that from the beginning. Now I'm not saying that, you know, a blind squirrel doesn't find a nut every once in a while and that we can't learn things from non-Christians. However, God's word is the authority in all things. I mean, I'm going to say a couple Bible verses here. Proverbs nine ten says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if that's the beginning of wisdom and knowledge or knowing the Holy One is understanding, that's got to be the premise. And, and I'm going to say some things here too. When it comes to, and this is actually, you know, one of the more popular ladies, if not like the popular lady is, you know, Sarah Ockwell Smith, and she's a prominent figure in this whole movement. And she's said verbatim, hey, religion doesn't matter. This, this just works across the board. She goes, it doesn't matter if you're atheist, doesn't matter if you're Muslim or if you're Christian, doesn't matter if you're a same-sex couple raising these children together, this philosophy works. And the reason I want to raise some alarm bells to that point is because this isn't just a set of tactics, okay? I think that you could take some proverbial truths and say, hey, these tactics work regardless. Uh, they're just common grace that God has given us. They work regardless of your religion. But the gentle parenting or gentle parenting is an ideology and a philosophy, which is more than tactics. It's a belief system that's not founded on God's word whatsoever. It's, it's taken that it's, it's done away with God's word. It says we're going to lean on our own understanding, which the Bible tells us not to do. And we're going to develop a humanistic framework for how we think we can best raise our children. So from the get, before we start talking specifics and tactics, when you go through the whole list, going back to the 1920s of Dr. Alfred Adler, just again, one of the spearhead thinkers in this, in this field. And you go to the 1940s and fifties of Dr. Magna Gerber and then Dr. Jane Nelson. Um, she's, she's more modern. I think Dr. Jane Nelson might still be living. She wrote the book, positive discipline. Um, and then you go back again to the 1940s and fifties with, um, Dr. Rudolf Dreikers. All of these are secular men that are devoid of God's word. I'm not saying that they weren't saved at some point and that God redeemed them. Cause of course he can do that. I'm not saying, Hey, these people are rotting in hell cause they rejected. If they rejected God, obviously they're, they're, they're in hell, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying their philosophies were not Christian. Their philosophies were not grounded in the word of God. They were secular 
And so that right there needs to be red flags for a Christian. Yeah, and I think, too, this is so huge, especially when it comes to parenting, because the number one thing we are in our child's lives is stewards to steward them to Christ. Like, these are Christ's children. These are not just little, you know, groups of cells that turned into humans or whatever. These are God's children. They're given to us to steward. And when we're going to an expert that is completely godless, a philosophy that's totally godless, it is not going to be neutral. Nothing is neutral. So we can't go to a completely godless system and expect it to not be anti-God. Because, I, I mean, I want to just pose the question here. Um, why do you think the world loves gentle parenting? You say gentle parenting, and it doesn't matter what the belief system is. People love gentle parenting. It's a very accepted parenting philosophy by your neighbor down the street, by, by everyone. And people might have personal issue with it, but Satan wants to take our kids they're the next generation, and he wants to take their hearts. He wants to eliminate uh, the authoritarian, the authority, not authoritarian, the authority that God has placed in their lives as a protection, as a guidance, as a support to them. He wants to remove that. He wants to remove all these things and get straight to our kids. And there is an agenda behind this, and it's not neutral. So I think that that's really important. Um, this quote here says, gentle parenting focuses on building a healthy partnership between parent and child. Again, this partnership, it's not um, obedience because God says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. The Bible doesn't say, children, obey your parents in the Lord if they do everything right and have the right emotion and validate your emotions and make you feel respected and yada, yada, yada. It's saying to honor the position of parent. And it also says, um, I will link these down below. These are very popular passages that, I mean, Ephesians 6.1 is the one I just referenced, but um, honor your father and mother that thy days may be long on the earth. Yeah, this is the first, the first commandment, commandment, catch that word. It says this is the first commandment with a promise. With the promise. Yeah. Also, catch the word command. God gives us commands all the time and commands are not bad. And that is something that gentle parenting tries to villainize is an authority giving a direct command and expecting direct obedience. That is what we as parents are responsible to God for. He hmm. gives direct commands and we directly obey. And in our children's life, we are that God figure at, especially at these young, these young years, you know, five and under where we give direct commands and they directly obey. So again, reading that quote, gentle parenting focuses on a healthy partnership between a parent and child. By contrast, authoritative parenting positions the caregiver as one in power. A child does what they are told to do by someone in power. As if that is the worst thing in the world, that a, ch that a caregiver should be the one in power. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like they, that's directly anti-biblical. We are the authority in our children's lives. Yeah, it, it is interesting how this really, 
I think when I, when I look at some of these founders, it's rooted first off in not acknowledging God. And of course we know that the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And one of the, what's the original sin? It's, it's Adam wanting to make himself God. It's wanting to make himself autonomous. And especially in the West, that is such a rampant attitude, even within Christianity, where we think we, we even hear that word, I'm an individual or I'm autonomous, I'm independent. And we've got pretty positive associations with all those words. They sound empowering, but it's not biblical. The fact is that we, from the womb, are dependent on God's grace and his mercy. We're born into sin. And that's another thing, going back to kind of the core beliefs of this, going back to that base, that basic view of anthropology. Is man decent when he comes to earth? Is he kind of good? Is he neutral? Or is he sinner? a sinner? And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are born into sin. Because of Adam's transgression, Romans 5 says that by one man's sin, sin entered into the world and passed upon all men. Therefore, all men have born into sin. That's everybody. You know, David says, in sin, I was, uh, in sin, I was conceived. You know, my mother was in iniquity when I was conceived. Everybody is brought forth with Adam's sin on our heart. We've got this heart that is rebellious against God inherently. And so from the time we are brought forth, there's no individuality or autonomy or saying, Hey, I'm, I'm fine right here. We're entirely dependent on God's general grace for to, to have life. We're dependent on the grace and the, the feeding of our parents, right? Or of our care, caregiver. And then of course, for salvation, we are 100% dependent on God's gracious gift, the, sal the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and him while we were dead in our transgressions and sins, him dying for us. And so I do think you have to go back as a parent, as a Christian, and you have to go to God's word and say, well, what, who is man? Because it's so nice to believe that man's kind of good or mostly good or even neutral. Whereas the word of God says none of those things. He says, man is born into sin and we are going to be vessels of wrath this is what the Bible says, apart from God's redeeming work. And as parents, it is our job to make our children aware of their sin and their need for a savior. And it is also our job to train them up in the nurture and admonition of him. Hey everyone, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about our online music academy called VoteBergMusicAcademy.com. Katie and I actually started this online music academy seven years ago, and over that time we've been able to see thousands of students go through our courses and learn how to play the guitar, the mandolin, the fiddle, the piano, the ukulele, and bring music into their home. And we really curated these lessons so that you're able to learn with your child or you're able to learn by yourself and then bring music into your home and play with your kiddos we even have it so that you can you know subscribe to one course and have three of your kids take the same course so it's really cost effective and you're able to go at your own pace and bring music into your home go to vopermusicacademy.com and check this out okay listen up this is where it gets really good if you enter the coupon code youtube at checkout you will get 10 percent off each month's payment because it's a subscription, it's a reoccurring payment. So if you put that code in, then it's 10% off each month. So, I mean, that can really add up over time. So bring some music into your family's home. Go over to VoperMusicAcademy.com. I'll link it below. And you guys put in that coupon code and go learn how to play some piano, guitar, fiddle, mandolin, ukulele, your choice. And when you look at all the Bible verses about training or disciplining, I do think it is incumbent upon us as parents to realize most of these are very proactive. When you go to Deuteronomy 6 and when you go to 
Proverbs, um, what is train up your child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart. Which one is that? Proverbs 22.6. 22.6. These are proactive things that as parents, we need to be ahead of our kiddos in and then leading out in these areas. And I will say, this is why it's easy for Christians, I think, to latch on to some of these these uh, non-Christian ideologies and, and unbiblical thoughts around parenting, is that we know in our heart, the majority of the time that we are exercising discipline, we are in sin. We'll say, well, boy... I, I'm irritable. Sometimes I'm even angry. I'm short-tempered with my kiddos. I'm selfish. And we think, you're right. Who am I to think that I can stand as an authority over my kiddos? First off, yes, we need to acknowledge that sin and repent. But who's wrong in that scenario? God's word or us? We're the one that's wrong. The standard or the system that we've been given in God's word is not wrong. And we do this in so many areas in the scripture where when God's word is distorted because of sin, we don't blame the sinner. We don't blame the, 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 the failing of the individual walking out in the way God designed it. We blame the design. We say, well, the design must be flawed. Let's go make something new. Let's say anybody can be married. Let's say anybody can parent these kids. Let's say anybody can be in charge because what God said in his word can lead to what? It could lead to abuse. It could lead to hurt. Sin leads to abuse and hurt, not God's standards and not God's ways, the way that he's commissioned us to exercise uh, in his word. Yeah, we see this all the time with another authority structure, which is the head of the home being the husband and the wife submitting to the husband. And this is the same area where we like to say, oh, well, that can be abused. Well, yeah, it can be abused. And this is why we are not advocates of traditional marriage or traditional parenting were th- that can be abused and, and we can point to many instances where it has been but biblical marriage and biblical parenting when god's ordained something he says hey if you follow these steps it will go well with you this is the right way to do it he's laying out the right way to do it and do we operate in that perfectly all the time no but like you were saying, Elisha, the Bible is never in the wrong. Yeah. It's us and it's our hearts. And I think that's one of the big things that I think gentle parenting gets wrong is it doesn't address the child's heart because again, this was created by a godless society. And why would you need to address the child's heart? Um, it's in verse... Let's see. In Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And it goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Mm. So ultimately, God is the judge here. But how, like, what a gift we can give our children if we are able to gently be their judge right now. Amen. Oh, you look at how merciful we are able to be to our children, to be able to be the authority figure in their life. I mean, who loves your kids? Nobody loves your kids more, right? Yeah. You're like, who has the best interest of, of your children? Nobody has a better interest in my kids than me and, and Katie. And to think that I would not walk in that role to be like, wow, I want to actually embrace this gift of being able to be the voice of instruction, to be able to be the one that's 
exercising discipline and correcting errors and wrongdoings and bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And that involves correction. That involves discipline. That involves acting like the authority because that's who I am in their life. And it's doing a huge disservice to your children if you do not exercise that in your life. Because once again, nobody loves your kid more than you do. But you know what's a reality in the world is being corrected for your wrongdoing. Like that is just going to be a reality. There is no, there is no so society that doesn't have penalties for wrongdoing on some level. And as humans, we are flawed and we are erred and we're going to do things wrong. And to have this opportunity to prepare your children with a loving, gentle rebuke that the Bible says we are to. And of course, as fathers, you know, Ephesians, what does Ephesians say? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The Bible warns time and time again, is there a potential for there to be an abuse of this role to frustrate your children? Yes. And that's why we've got God's scripture. He's saying, hey, fathers, don't do that. And that's why he says, fathers, be submitted to Christ. We're looking at parenting and we're looking at marriage in the whole totality of God's word as a holistic Christian, that we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we are submitting our life to Christ. You have to look at, at its entirety. And when you isolate something and you say, well, this doesn't work if all these other things aren't working together, you're saying, well, yeah, of course, well, this is for the new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's the context in which we're coming to parenting as, and every Christian should come to the con to parenting from that context. Cause that's who, who they are. But you think of the reality of the world and there's not a workplace that doesn't discipline poor performance. You know, there's not a legal system that doesn't discipline unlawfulness. Well, and I want to stop you there because gentle parenting would say, oh, we are pro-discipline. They like, we really like to manipulate the terms here. We are anti-punishment. Punishment's the bad word. Discipline is great. And is used in gentle parenting. Well, let's take punishment. Punishment is a part of this life. Yeah. Punishment is a part of if any society, any workplace environment, any any organization, institution, punishment is a part of that. Like you do poorly in school, you don't turn in your test, you're punished with bad grades, or you're punished by being expelled from school, by not graduating, and you have to be punished by losing your tuition. And that's a very like gentle situation there, but it's still a punishment. Yeah. And so again, the fact that we would abdicate this opportunity to be the primary and first, uh, I guess, exercisers of punishment in our children's life is really doing our children a disservice because nobody's going to care for our children as much as we do. Yeah. So again, there are a couple things I just want to clarify here um, because Gentle parenting is a fan of natural consequences happening. Uh, but I want to kind of dive into this a little bit more. Gentle parenting discipline techniques. So I look these up. Like, what do people mean by gentle parenting discipline? Because to me, discipline is synonymous with punishment. Um, it's synonymous also in the dictionary. But <laughs> let's go with these gentle parenting discipline techniques. One is redirection. Get them involved in a new activity to stop the behavior. Okay, that's just manipulation. There's no parenting there. Um, there's no addressing sin. There's no addressing a heart issue. There's no obedience. There's no obeying your parents there, for this is right in the Lord. We're taking away the opportunity for blessing in our children's lives. And there's no opportunity to share the gospel 
with our children. Mm. I think that is a very sad thing. All we're doing is getting them distracted. And by getting them distracted, by getting distracted with this parenting technique, we don't even realize that Satan is having his work done here. He took away an opportunity to share the gospel with our children, Hmm. to show them their need for a savior, to talk to them about their sin, to address the root issue, to have them ask forgiveness for their sins and repent, Hmm. to pray with them. That opportunity was eliminated. That is not a win for the Christian parent. Yeah, there's so much joy that comes from the confession of sin, the acknowledgement of sin. It's remarkable how even in the general Christian public, we don't even like to talk about sin as though it's sin. We like to say, well, we are misunderstood or they are confused. They didn't fully understand the situation. They weren't brought up to speed on the rules of everything rather than saying what it is. Like all those things can be true elements, but at the heart of it is sin. And you hear this all the time in people's like, I'm doing air quotes, apologies. They'll be like, Hey, sorry that you were offended by what I said. You misunderstood me. This is what I meant. Is there an apology or an owning of a sin in there? Like that's not even an acknowledgement of sin. And then, we're, and we're teaching that to our kids by redirecting them. Like you said, being like, Oh, you don't understand. Oh, I see. You don't understand your feelings. You don't understand your emotions. This is why you lash, lashed, lashed out, or this is why you responded in that way. And they're thinking, Oh, okay. Clearly I'm not the problem. I was ill-informed or I didn't have the right circumstances around me. My environment wasn't all that conducive to me exercising my gifts in the proper way. It's like, no, no, the, you are the issue. Your heart is the issue. You need to repent from that and we need to turn to Christ. Yeah. And I would, I would argue too, that there is not argue. There is guilt and shame that comes with sin. That Mm. is a blessing that we have from Christ that we have that conscience Eventually we have the Holy spirit and we feel guilt. We feel separation from God. We feel separation from those we have wronged and we feel shame. Mm. And that's not to say that we should ever shame our children. That shame is already there. And it's our job to walk them through that process of alleviating that shame Mm. and, and righting those wrongs. Um, so I want to go back to these discipline techniques, redirection here. We have ignoring the child's objectionable behavior Um, how's that discipline? How's that even how gentle parenting equates discipline instead of with punishment, they equate it with training or teaching. Hmm. How is that training or teaching? Just turning a blind eye, um, positive reinforcement. Again, that has nothing to do with discipline. You guys, I don't care what dictionary you're reading. I mean, positive reinforcement is great, but that's not a discipline technique. Investing time in or carving out quality moments with your child. That's a beautiful thing to do. That's wonderful. I think we should be pouring into our kids and investing in that relationship and letting them know how much we love them. We are not the judge up there with the gavel, just waiting for them to mess up, to pound it and send them off to their punishment. Um, We love our kids. We want relationship with them, just how God wants relationship with us, our Mm. children. Um, But that is not a discipline technique. That does not alleviate the guilt or the shame that our child feels. That is not the gospel. Um, That is not an opportunity to talk about our children's sin. Um, And then they said single word reminders. (laughs) So, okay. Um, But they say, this is a quote here. It says, 
parents who gentle parent don't tell kids to do something because I said so. And I think that that's really sad because it's teaching them to disrespect the authority that God's placed in their life, not just us as their parent, God. Mm. We're disrespecting God's commands to us and they're disrespecting our commands. And um, the authority structure, again, is all messed up and it's not how God intended. I also wanted to talk real quick about the term punishment. Um, Just going to synonyms real quick. One of those includes discipline and one of those includes chastising. And I think something we need to think of when it comes to positive parenting, not everything in life is positive. Elisha's already mentioned that. The sooner that we let our children know that, the better it is for them. In fact, the scripture, Hebrews 12, 11 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. No chastening for the present is enjoyable for the child yeah. or the parent. You know what? It's not supposed to be. It's a grievous thing to sin. Mm. It's a grievous thing to have to go through um, disciplining our children. It hurts us. It hurts them. It's sad. And we want that joy returned. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Amen. How beautiful. However, afterwards, it yields this peaceable fruit of righteousness. And as our children are learning in their catechisms, and I'm learning along with them, what is righteousness? It is God's goodness. Mm. Yeah, his standard. It's not our goodness. It's God's goodness. And that's what we want our children to be aware of. That's so good. And when you think about any of these things that we're talking about, you, everybody's going to have a standard by which they're comparing their parenting tactics or the parenting philosophy to, and you have to ask the question by what standard and it's by what standard. And you ask that question. You should ask that question with like in every, with everything in life, like I'm a pretty good person. Well, by what standard by God's word and by God's word needs to be the standard. And it's, it's really troubling when so many Christians start not with God's word, but with secular studies or philosophies or, or research now listen, if every so often man's wisdom or science aligns with God's word, that's great. Like, okay, that's great. But I don't get that much more excited when it does. You know why? Because that's always changing. Like you just look through the last, through research. I mean, just going through the last 100 years or the last 120 years and kind of the evolution of this whole movement, you're like, wow, this has taken all sorts of shapes and sizes and and has been through all sorts of modification. But you know, what hasn't changed is God's word. And that is steadfast. And that's the only thing that is perfect and will continue to be perfect until we, for our entirety of life here on earth. Going back, Katie, to discouraging having kids obey us because we said so, we that's the same mindset we need to take to God's word. You were saying we're teaching our children. Well, why do we do this? Because God said so. There are so many things about our faith still that don't quite make sense to me. Well, they, before I die, there's still probably going to be mysteries, right? I want to understand more and more. And I think it's a great thing to seek knowledge and understanding of God's ways, right? We should, we should seek these things out and try to understand them and grapple with them. However, we're not going to, and we, what do we do? We do it because God says so. We say, yes, amen. And who's, who's the one that we praise? And we don't do that apologetically because this is something else that Christians do. 
as they'll say things like, well, you know, I wish God's word didn't say this, but it sure says it. It's like, no, we know we, we should know where we're at in this whole story. We are the ones that God's ways are not man's ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts, like Isaiah says. And so when we go to God's word and it doesn't set well with us, who's wrong? We're wrong. So we shouldn't apologize for God's word saying it. We should apologize for our attitudes and our hearts and our inability to even comprehend God's mind and his holiness and how much higher his ways are than ours. But going back to Ephesians 6, you know, that's where it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Just that right there. And then it goes on to say, you know, this is the first, uh, the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. Like say that over and over and over again. Say it to your children. And then when they say why, you can say that because the Bible says, children, obey your parents for this is right. And then I'm going to read off a few more Bible verses just that speak so directly to this issue because that's the other thing. I know that I'm probably infusing my opinion left and right here, you know, and it's, it's so hard not to infuse your opinion based off our experience. But so many of these verses say it directly. Um, I'm just going to just going to read a few of them. And again, there are hundreds of Bible verses about parents training their children, disciplining their children, punishing their children, chastising their sons. Okay. So I'm just going to read a few that are like on the nose. Um, Proverbs 22, 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. So start right there. That's like the first part of the verse. What's bound up in the heart of the child, good intentions, goodwill, neutrality. No, it says foolishness. And it doesn't take long. Again, that's not one that's hard to believe. You know, like, would we, would I believe it? Even if it didn't make sense to me, of course, because it's God's word, but that one's actually not that hard to believe. Sometimes we have to look at each other and laugh about that and remind ourselves, like our kids will do something. We're like, what on earth were they thinking? And then we have to look at each other and be like, you know what? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. That's just, it comes, it's par for the course. That's right. So that's again, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Then 20, Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give you delight to your heart. Then it says, discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. And this is a reference to Deuteronomy. I think it's a Deuteronomy 21 verses 18 through 21, where children have a rebellious son. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but the scenario is crazy. Did you have that one? Were you going to read it? No, no, I don't. And he's sinful and he's bombastic and he's causing all this distress and there's to bring him to the elders. They give him all these chances to, re to repent and he's not obeying. They take him out of the city and they stone him because they want that sin far from the city. And so this Proverbs is like a direct reference to that. And it's saying, Hey, 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 you know how like the law says, we need to put the, the sin to death if it's causing all this disruption. It's not being repented of. Well, it says, hey, discipline your son because there's still hope. Like what, what brings hope to your child, to their soul, to their well-being? Discipline. And we have that opportunity as parents. And again, going back to discipline, this scripture is not referencing get your child distracted by something else or ignore the behavior or tell him he's good at something else. That is not what the scripture is talking to when it's speaking to discipline. Yeah. Again, Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Again, we can't leave our children to themselves and to their own devices. Yeah. I think of this real quick. It's a quote that I wrote down and it says that gentle parents, this is from again, a parenting magazine, gentle parents trust their children. 
And I just think of that like, no, that's leaving a child to themselves. Mm. We don't trust our children. Again, going back to the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Mm. This isn't a trusting situation where it's like, you're going to make a good decision. We're there as the protector to help them do that. Yeah. Again, it says fathers do not, pro- or sorry, I'm going to skip to a different one. This is whoever spares, this is Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Again, this isn't like some... I wish you were reading out of the King James Version. Is it better? Do you have those I pulled do, up? Let's because hear Let's hear I King hate James. this whole discipline argument okay. so much because it really twists scripture. Let's hear, your, let's hear the... Um, this, that was all ESV. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, oh. what, were, what were you just reading? Proverbs 13, 24. Proverbs 13, 24. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I had it written down, but I don't know. Okay, here you go. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him be times. Again, I like that word chasten because it does equate to punishment. Discipline mm. does too, but I feel like gentle parenting has manipulated that term. Sure. It's kind of hijacked it. Yeah. Then that one finishes by, if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from hell. It's like we've got the ability from a, from when our children are young to let them know about the true, not the true, because you can't show them the true penalty of sin, but to let them know a foretelling of the penalty for sin. Sin brings forth death. There needs to be a punishment for sin. And there's such a, a an alleviation of guilt when that happens. And it's such an opportunity to point them to Jesus Christ. And again, well, actually, I won't go into the grace-based parenting thing because we're just keeping it with gentle parenting. I have a few more verses. Could I read them? Yes. Um, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Mm. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Mm. Um, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. Like, I just think, you guys, this is a beautiful thing. Correction, chastening, punishment. Who the Lord loves, he does those things to, even as a father, a son in whom he delighteth. Elisha and I don't discipline our children because we don't like our children. They're incredible. Um, They're our favorite people on earth. Uh, I think here too, I, I mean, I think of, hold on real quick. Here too, I like to bring up this point about the whole guilt thing. Because our kids feel guilt, and I don't think that that's something that gentle parenting addresses. They think like our kids are these dummies that don't have complex emotions. Oh, yeah, they can like throw themselves on the ground and scream, and we need to validate those emotions. But they can't think through the mental process of feeling guilt or feeling like something they're doing is wrong. They just need to be told that it's wrong. Mm. And it's like, no, they already know and they feel that guilt and we're letting them sit in that guilt. Uh, Leviticus 5:17 says, "And if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments, again that word commandments of the Lord, though he wist it not, yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity." We have all these little sinners running around that are precious that are just bearing their sin. Mm. And no one is telling them the gospel message of how to alleviate that sin. Mm. Um, again, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not the chastening of the almighty. There's just so many passages here all about punishment of God. I mean, 
second Peter two, nine, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God punishes. And again, it's a loving thing that he does. And it's something that we can, you know, help with our children with right away. Okay. This verse is super sketchy sounding in the King James version. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, but let's see. Okay. Proverbs 23, 13, withhold not correction from the child for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. And obviously beating your child is not what the scripture is like endorsing endorsing here our 21st uh, century interpretation of beating a child is completely inappropriate and abusive but i think that something that we need to look at when we look at these things is it's definitely talking about a physical punishment here because it says he shall not die hmm. It's not talking about sitting our child down. I know a lot of people like to, um, especially women, like to read books written by other women who feel emotionally the same way about them, uh, about these verses, about the rod, and go back to the Greek and and get confused on the way there. I'm, I'm serious. This yeah, start a, going cross-eyed. This is a big and thing. Like... Instead of just reading scripture and taking scripture for what it says, um, well, it's not even, I know ahead. I'm going to get a lot of flack on this, but it says he shall not die. This is not talking about sitting down and talking your child to death. It's just, that makes no sense. And so this is a physical punishment here. It's saying, Hey, um, short term pain is not going to kill anybody. It's not going to hurt anybody. For the long term, it's not going to damage them, but it's don't withhold that correction from the child. Hmm. And I think that this is something that Elisha and I were able to experience firsthand from our parents. A lot of the parenting that we're doing, we really feel like was uh, our parents really sought out scripture and were seeking to train us biblically. And as a result, we both did feel the weight of our sin. Hmm. We both did feel... Uh, we were able to understand the gospel at a very early age. I, at three years old, really understood that I needed a savior in my life. And both of us were incredibly close with our parents uh, and, and like had right relationship with them our entire lives, hmm. you know? And I do think that they were very, very careful to always make sure they were not angry when they were disciplining us. They were not mad. They were doing what God commanded them to do in the scripture in a loving way. And there was always reconciliation after that. Mm. And um, I think that for a lot of people who didn't experience that growing up, it's easy to, um, again, confuse scripture with human error mm. and lump it all together. Because people will use the Bible as a scapegoat to do things that are inappropriate to their children. Sure. They could take that verse right there. Absolutely. And just be right. like, okay, I'm going to start wailing on my child, yes. which is obviously sin and totally wrong. Yeah. And that, I think, like you said, that happens time and time again within scripture. And you were talking about, um, you know, people going cross-eyed and trying to redefine different words in the Bible and going, going back to the Greek and trying to find another reference, you know, to help them validate their point. But 
even before all of that, going, I said this kind of at the beginning, but you go to like the origin of a thought, the origin of an idea. And this, it's so easy to find the origins of these ideas and, and they are originated by godless people. And then as so, ha- as so often happens within Christianity, something becomes popular and you're like, okay, well, let's apply some scripture to that and see if I can't also try to make that Christian. Like it seems to be well accepted. It resonates with my emotions. I would feel a lot better about myself if that were the case. Let's try to reframe some of these Bible verses and get rid of some of those ones that speak directly against it. And then I'll incorporate it in, into my, into Christianity. Is, is that, does that seem like a good way to come up with a philosophy or an ideology that's biblically based? No. And yet that happens time and time again, as social pressures that were derived by godless people, right? Ideologies and philosophies that, that derived with people that are rebellious against God and they're not going to his word for any of their thoughts. They come up with an ideology and maybe early on Christians will be like, you know, that's not Christian, but then it grows in popularity. They think, well, you know what? If you look at it through this lens and maybe Jesus actually meant that. And in the old Testament's kind of irrelevant now. And you look at the cultural context and that's what's motivating them there. Is it the Holy spirit? I would say not. Is it God's word? Definitely not. What's motivating them is cultural and social pressures. And I think that's something that we need to all be aware of because we're all prone to this. I, I look at when I'm going through God's word, this happens time and time again, where so many of my thoughts around marriage or so many of my thoughts around money or so many of my thoughts around church have been shaped and formed by worldly and secular ideology, not by God's word. And so our bent is going to be secular. Like our bent is going to be what the world deems as being popular. Cause it just feels, it's so much more fun to go with the masses. It's so much more fun to be able to get on a podcast and say a bunch of things that people are like, yes, like that feels so, so good to hear you say that. And that makes me feel better about myself. And that should not be the heart of our motivation. Yeah. And just to clarify something, because a lot of people like to bring up hitting in the context of hitting your child. And that is never appropriate. Obviously, hitting is something that is done in anger. Hitting is a sin. And hitting is done with the desire to inflict pain. It is not a painful thing for the parent. It is a lashing out in anger to alleviate some of our frustration. Yes. And that's never appropriate to do as a parent. Yeah, that's sinful. Yeah, yeah, that is sin. And obviously, there are some great things that gentle parenting gets right. Um, Under all these lists, I was reading one is avoid sarcasm and other forms of verbal abuse. Amen. (laughs) That is so unhealthy. Um, Don't yell. Amen. Um, Be patient. Try to see things from your child's perspective. Spend quality time with your child without distractions. Be fully present. Gain your composure before responding. Again, these are all beautiful, beautiful things that should be done in parenting. Absolutely, These are all biblical parenting traits. Um, Parents should apologize when they get it wrong. Yes, we're going to mess up. We already, I mean, I've already messed up. My children are young. It meant so much to me. I've said this on the podcast before, but my parents have apologized to me my entire life hmm. when they have, when they feel like they've acted, acted wrongly and they come and they apologize. And that to me as a child 
was so like seeing them humble themselves before God and before me, their child was Mm. just like, wow, Mm. I have so much respect for you right now. But just because there are some wonderful things in here, just like the word gentle, gentle parenting, we should all be gentle parents. It doesn't mean that we should be subscribing to the philosophy. Yeah. I mean, that's always the tricky thing with many modern day philosophies is that they are, they are kind of peppered with some biblical truths and you can hear them and be like, I think that that's Christian. I think that that's from God's word and a few of the attributes or of the concepts might be, but then it's, it's then, you know, you, the, then the, from there on out, it's, it's peppered or, you know, it's like, I guess, totally, um, covered in, in secular ideas or, you know, or in pagan ideology. Um, and so that's always the danger when you're going to, to new concepts. Yeah. So a couple things, these are just, these are just like, I think unwise parenting strategies. These aren't really big picture concepts that I have a huge issue with. Um, things that are eliminating the gospel, eliminating the need for Christ, that kind of stuff that's anti-biblical, I have a really hard time with. But some of this stuff I just think is kind of unwise advice. Mm. Um, One of those things is really relying on natural consequences. I think that's very inappropriate and unwise for children. Again, I'm saying five and under here, which is when most of the discipline actually happens. Mm. As our children get older, yeah, natural consequences just start happening and we let off the reins and see more and more with a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old. Yeah, well, that happens when you do that. But they have various uh, safety protocols and stuff in their brain already. They have a little bit of knowledge. I mean, this was... This is literally why children have parents at a young age is to protect them from natural consequences. You know, um, some of the things they listed here is, is, is like, uh, examples was, Oh, if your child is too much sugar, they'll get sick. And it's like, yeah, if my two year old binges on the cookies, he'll get sick and I'll do it again tomorrow and Mm. I'll do it again the next day. Um, or if they don't wear a coat, they'll get cold. No, this is a healthy time for you to step in as a parent. Be like, you don't want to wear a coat too bad. Put the coat on and get in the car. Um, this, we take this to an extreme with safety, but like, okay, you want to run in the street, you die. I know that's an extreme example, but that's a natural consequence. And we see how foolish that is at a young age. Our children should not be experiencing natural consequences because they have their parents to protect them, to lay down these boundaries for them and to protect them. Yeah. And going back to when they do run out into the street or they're going to run out into the street and, and you command them to stop, you say, stop, you, you, should you explain why they need to stop as they're continuing to walk out? No, no, you don't say, well, why? You know, because I said so come back here. And then, yeah, it's a great time. They come back to safety and you say, Hey, look at that truck driving by right there. You know, that, w- that was going to level you. So you want them to learn, but the first thing needs to be is that they obey you because of the authority that they have that, that you have in their life. Yeah. I think of this, this quote that I found in a magazine and it says children, they were listing it as this benefit for gentle parenting. It says children are taught the underlying reason for rules. And I would say, yeah, that's great. This is the rule. Because God makes the rules. That's the rule. Not me, not you. God says for you to obey your parents and I'm supposed to obey God. And that's the reason for the rules. (laughs) If I choose to tell you why we're doing something after you already obey me, 
the first time, then we can have a conversation about it. And I could tell you why, you know, go in depth on why I made that decision or why Elisha made that decision. But first we want immediate obedience because that's what God commands. And then this is something else too that um, I didn't love. Giving choices, not commands. First of all, God gives commands all the time. Authority figures give commands all the time. Uh, gentle parenting is trying to eliminate authority and create like a five-headed snake where everyone is parenting everyone. It's just, they want communal. Like there is no authority, you yeah. know? And, and that's a common thing, again, even within the church. It's just kind of like, oh, we're all peers. We're all the same. You know, it's the whole it takes a village mindset. And, you know, I don't like that. It's like, <laughs> no, like for our children, we are the direct influence in their lives. And are we submitted? Yeah, of course, we're submitted to Christ. You know, there's, there's, a, there's church leadership and authority that we are to be submitted to. And so God has given us chains of hierarchy and of authority, and he's done it for a purpose, and it's, he's done it for our benefit for our blessing, for the, for the well-being of society and civilization. But it's such a secular humanistic thing to try to disrupt all of that and say, no, parents are not the authority. Like they sure they brought them into this world, but we're all going to play a role in nurturing these children, an equal role, actually. You're like, no, this is not going to be an equal role, equal role at all. Yeah. I think of in first Corinthians 14, 33, it says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Again, First uh, Corinthians fourteen forty. Let all things be done decently and in order. Authority creates order, and that's something that gentle parenting does not want to admit. Mm. It is chaos without order. Also, giving our children choices when they are tired and burnt out. Like you give me a choice when I'm tired and frazzled. Just like tell me if we're going to hamburgers or tacos. Just give me my food. Don't ask me what bowl I want it in. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, Sometimes that sometimes that induces a lot more anxiety in our kids. And again, this is another parenting technique that I think is really wrong to do to a child. And that is gentle parenting says here, describe the behavior, not the child, um, which is ultimately guilt tripping them. And this is the example they gave. I get so frustrated cleaning crumbs off the couch Okay, that so is passive aggressive. Passive aggressive. <laughs> and then the kids just feeling like this is a form of emo emotional manipulation and bribery. It's hoping to make our kids feel bad enough about themselves that they don't do it again. Like as parents, that's not what we're called to. We're called to have relationship with our child. Just be like, hey, don't put the don't eat in the living room. I don't want crackers on the couch, okay? Now there's this clear boundary set. You set it for them. If they do it again, then you have a punishment for them. And they knew to expect it. And if not, then we're all good. Mm. You know, but the whole like, ah, I'm just so tired picking up your clothes off the ground all the time. Like, it's really, it's really emotionally manipulating our kids. Mm. And the gospel is there's sin, there's punishment for sin, there's repentance of sin, there's forgiveness, and there's reconciliation. That should be our parenting cycle, mm. are those words. And if that's defining our relationship with our child, ending in reconciliation, like ending in communion between uh, the parent and child. So the child isn't storming out of the room. The child isn't feeling hurt. The child isn't having hurt feelings or feeling emotionally disconnected. There's this closeness. You know, you're able to hug it out 
and, you know, have that, have that unity and that bond and that love for each other again. That's what we're aiming for when it comes to all this. It's not just behavioral modification. It's not just getting our kids to do what we want through some form of trickery or manipulation or like they won't know what they're doing, but they're doing what I want them to do. Mm. Yeah. And you know, this attitude, you see it carry on into the later years too, when parents are not willing to be the bad guy and not make hard decisions for their adolescent children or for their teenage children and say, boy, I got to get them out of that friend group, or I need to take their smartphone away, or I need to go and delete all their social media profiles, or I need to pull them out of that school. These decisions that make you the bad guy in, in the moment, but it's good. going back to the no chastisement is pleasant in the moment, but it brings forth what it brings forth fruit and life and blessedness. And that's a mindset that we need to have as parents for the duration of this time that we have our children. Yeah. It looks different. The application of that looks different as they grow and as our children mature. And hopefully there's a lot more uh, understanding that our children grow in. And throughout that time, you're growing a relational equity. Like our children have no doubt in their mind whether or not we love them and what was best for them. Like no, they tell us all the time how much we love them, yeah, which and, is really cute. And going back, you know, besides the whole, you know, being willing to be the bad guy for a moment or, or, or exercise that chastisement in an instant, that's something that you have to be able to exercise for the duration of your parenthood. So you need to start, you know, flexing that muscle early and often because it's only going to become more challenging right? Yeah. Like, you know, exercising a little bit of punishment when they're three and four, that's it. Like, yeah, that's, it's not fun. Like you don't enjoy it. You need to do it for the well-being of your children, but exercising punishment and chastisement when they're 13 and 14 is going to be way harder. It's just going to, it just is. And you're trying to reason with your kid there and you're not willing to actually be the, I'm doing the air quotes, bad guy for a moment for the well-being of your children. There's not going to be good fruit from that. Going back, Katie, to this opportunity that we have with our kids to share the gospel, I don't know about you, but I'm reminded of the gospel just new, multiple times a day, numerous times in a day through my parenting because of what, how I'm talking to my kids about their, about their disobedience or about their poor attitudes or about the sin in their life. And I'm able to preach to them and, and so doing preach to myself the gospel over and over and over again. That sin brings forth death, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, but because God so loved the whole world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. And we get to preach Christ to our kids time and time again by what? By redirecting them? No, by acknowledging their sin and calling out their sin and, and correcting it and punishing it and then moving on and, and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so when you remove sin, from your vocabulary with your children, then you're eliminating and you're removing the opportunity to share the gospel to them on a regular basis, which again is doing you as a parent a disservice because boy, do we need to hear the gospel on a regular basis. Yeah. And when we, when we oppose punishment and love and say, oh, these are on opposite sides of the spectrum and mm. say, no, they go hand in hand. Amen. It is a loving thing at times to punish. That's right. And I think I've, I've shared this on the podcast before, but I had a day, this was a while ago, and yeah, sorry, you guys, this is getting to be a long episode, but you know, we're saying a lot of things that could make a lot of people angry, so we'll just keep going. Um, we, I was having a day, and I was yelling at the kids, and I knew my heart was so wrong, and I was sinning, 
And I sat them all down and I was like, you guys, mommy just needs to apologize. Like I've been walking in sin. I need to pray right now. I need to ask God's forgiveness. And I want to ask your guys' forgiveness too. And cause you just mentioned, you know, sharing the gospel to our kids. And sometimes we do this by just showing them how much we're in need of a savior too. Mm. And so I prayed and then later at, you know, the day went better after that. We'd all <laughs> kind of acknowledged and they'd forgiven me. And then at lunch, uh, Leon was praying and he's our six year old. He was five at the time. And he was like, dear Lord, we are all sinners. Mommy is a sinner. We are sinners. We all need your forgiveness. <laughs> he was just really bringing the point home there. Nice. But I think something that people think too is with this, the beautiful thing, again, we're, Elisha and I are so imperfect in this and our kids are going to look back and be like, hopefully they forget most of the uh, mistakes that we've made when they're like really, really little. <laughs> um, but they're going to be aware of a lot of them. And when you discipline early and often and expect first time obedience early and often and don't expect anything else, then your child doesn't need to be punished that much. Mm. And at one and two, they get the picture real, real quick. Mm. And then you move into three and four and it is so easy and you're disciplining very rarely. And our kids don't have tantrums. They don't lay on the floor and kick and scream and like fly off the rails. Now, do they disobey sometimes? Yeah. And we're still in this with our uh, two-year-old right now. But our, our five and six-year-old, it is like hardly ever. That yeah. they actually get punished, and that's it. Five and six years old, like this is this is little. When you we aren't talking these big knockdown, drag out. I don't know whatever you expect when it <laughs> comes to punishment. Um, this shouldn't be something that we are doing very intensely for a long period of time. And when I mean intensely, I mean when it comes to repetition. Yeah, like doing consistently in this gentle parenting part on tantrums. They say this behavior is a form of communication. It is age appropriate. No, it's not age appropriate. It's yeah. sin. Yeah. And yeah, we can all communicate in sinful ways, but that's not behavior we need to validate. Here they said, while inconvenient, tantrums cannot and should not be stopped so long as your child is safe. And I think what's so sad is in our culture, this is just across the board, we focus so much on children's physical safety. We want them to wear the helmet and the knee pads and buckle the car seat right. And, and I'm not saying those things are bad. No, they sound pretty good. Yeah, so far. yeah. Yeah. They're great. But that is where we hyper-focus. We do not focus on their mental or spiritual or emotional safety. And gentle parenting would say they do, but they don't. They're directly manipulating a child's emotions. You know what's nuts? Again, I know we're going forever, but this is what's crazy. I think when, again, uh, you look at gentle parenting as a whole and you're thinking, okay, it makes sense that this isn't biblical because they're not Christians. And so why would we expect them to have a biblical or a Christian perspective on parenting? But then when you go to some of these blogs or thought leaders that have adopted this, that are Christians and they've tried to infuse Christianity kind of some way and, and make it sound Christian, it's, it's pretty crazy. We were listening to a lady that's, you know, got some PhD from somewhere on child psychology or psychotherapy or something. And what's the difference anyways, you know, psychology, psychotherapy, well, I don't know. psychiatry, She's a psycho, so. yeah. Anyways, uh, 
and she was talking about to help kids manage their emotions, you need to create like a, like a scream room. I think she called it, um, where they, you give the child an opportunity to go. I'm talking about like 10, 12, yeah, old, 13 old, year olds yeah. where they, they've got the, in this space, they are safe and free to, to just get all their, get all their emotions out. And she, there are all these testimonies of, you know, this guy right in be like, Hey, it's so great. My son, we designated his closet to be his, I forget what she called it, scream room or, you know, whatever room. And he'll go in there and he'll bang the wall. He even hit holes in the wall during his tantrum. And he'll be in there for hours sometimes screaming and screaming and screaming. And what's great is that he's, we, he, it seems like he's hitting his sister a lot less. And you're like, wow, this is crazy. And that's ultimately that's super sad too, because it just means this child is like very distressed oh. and is not getting the help or support that they need. Yeah. If your kid's screaming and yelling for, for anything, like you need to address it for a short period of time. If yeah. they're screaming and yelling at 10 years old for any period of time, like if our six year old screamed and yelled, I'd be like, wow, this is really disturbing. What's going on in your heart? What are you struggling with? Like you need to get to the root of the issue. Yeah. Anyways, I just say that to say that I'm, it's easy for me to be like, oh, this is a secular society. This is a secular mindset. Why would Christians listen to it? But Christians are listening to it and they're, and they're somehow trying to make it Christian and it, you can't, you can't take this secular philosophy. Like, cause like you said, nothing's, nothing's neutral. You know, it's, it's really paganism. It's like, you're, you're serving a God, you're, you're serving some sort of religious ideology and, and you can't take that that's pagan and try to try to make that Christian. Uh, and so again, just, uh, you probably have more thoughts, but well, closing I, thoughts for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, you, my say, closing thoughts. you say your closing thoughts. Just again, we know this scripture, but I'm, I was so reminded of this as I was going through some of these, I'm doing air quotes cause whatever Christian articles, you know, advocating gentle parenting and how they were so deprived of scriptural backing and of biblical backing. And I was just reminded of second Timothy three, 16 and 17, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, the sufficiency of God's word. Again, you, anybody that listens to our podcast know that Katie and I love finding extra biblical resources and it's, and we, we like getting ideas from other people, but what's the authority, what is sufficient for all things that pertain unto life and godliness that we may be complete. God's word is the only thing that is that the, the, the whole of God's word, the, from the beginning to the end, it's all, you know, people like to highlight the red words that Jesus spoke when he was on earth, but Jesus Christ was the word and he was the word from the beginning. You know, Jesus wrote with God, the father, the entire Bible. And so from Genesis to revelation, it's, it's God, the father, Jesus, the Holy spirit. It's, it's their word. And we can go to it with confidence, knowing that like what it says in second Timothy three sixteen, that it will equip us through its instruction to be complete and fully equipped for every good work. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, mentioned that old and new Testament. I was reading a blog actually when this podcast started filming <laughs> to get off it real quick, but they were pitting the old Testament God versus the new Testament God. He's the same God mm -hmm. just like, and they were also pitting like with that whole example, the punishment of God in the old Testament 
with the love of God in the New Testament. And it's like, no, don't you see? That's the beauty. It's the Bible. It's the whole word of God. It all goes together. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Punishment is love. Love yes. is punishment when it's done in an appropriate and loving way. And I just think here, this is, I'm going to end with something that gentle parenting gets right. It says the most valuable gift a child can receive is a parent's love, time, and support. Mm. I think that's wonderful. That is the most important thing we can give them is our eye contact, our um, getting off of social media, our stop listening to the thought leaders and just love our kids at home. Mm. Um, Hang out with them, have fun with them, build memories with them. Let them have no doubt in their minds that we are their biggest advocates and we adore them and we can't wait to hang out with them. And we aren't bitter, angry, resentful parents. I would just say that word that sounds really good at the end, that support, I would argue that support means different things in different stages. And my parents supporting me as a teen, my parents supporting me as adult, an adult mother of almost five children now is going to look very different than the support that we give our children in the toddler years, mm. which is kind of specifically what we're talking about here because that's mainly where gentle parenting is needed Um, the philosophy, because hopefully our kids are even beyond these behaviors and they have self-control and the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit moving forward. But um, I would say that boundaries, (laughs) not doing what they say here, which is gentle parenting teaches children that they should set their own boundaries. Mm. Um, I would say that that support is setting boundaries, having clear expectations, having clear consequences, and being able to share the gospel with our children as often as we can and be as consistent as we can in parents in love, not in anger. Um, I, I do think that we need to often for me, calm down before I go and I address the child because I'm worked up and I'm frustrated and that's not going to be healthy for them or for me. Um, but again, the most valuable gift a child can receive is a parent's love time and support. And what does that support look like? We need to go to God's word and his scripture. And if you don't know what it looks like, then I want to continue to learn. Amen. But just, we need to be reading scripture on the double compared to the books that we're reading. Yep. And I would say, if you got a stack of parenting books, a mile tall, that are all telling you that your philosophy's right, go read Proverbs is as often as it needs to, to stack up against those books. Um, Because it's so easy for our worldview to be shaped by man's wisdom and think that makes so much sense because we're humans and humans wisdom makes sense to humans. Yeah, that's right. Good. All right. Well, Katie, that was fun. Yeah. I'm not going to say, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it. um, Because I'm totally fine if, if you don't like it. I really feel like, Um, there's a lot of fear in speaking to this topic because you don't want to get told you're an ungentle parent (laughs) or you're an unloving parent or, you know, you're, you're the negatives of all these things that, and what are you, if you're in a gentle parent, you're a violent parent, Mm. you know, like, um, but I do think that there need to be voices out there that are countering 
anti-biblical approaches and misreadings of scriptures. So um, this is ours, and pray that the Lord speaks to some of you through it, and he continues to grow us as parents. Amen. All right, you folks. All right, you folks. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.